Shut up and sit down. What's up, what's up, what's up, guys? Welcome to the show. This is episode 27, and we are live on March, sorry, fucking March, April the 23rd. It's damn near almost May. Um, Coming off what can only be described as a gorgeous weekend uh, here in London. The marathon was on, the London Marathon was on, so we went down and supported that. You know, the... um, the marathon never disappoints. It just always seems to bring out the beautiful weather. Um, you know, everybody's in good spirits out to support, you know, the runners and all the charities and everything like that. It's just a great day out. So we went down for a couple hours to support the runners, um, you know, take some f- pictures, etc. And um, yeah, just enjoyed the sunshine. Um it was a banger all weekend, really. It was um it was smoking hot. Got to get the barbecue fired up, and, uh, and and decided to make it a bit of a weekend treat for myself. A little uh, rest time from the gym. I usually go on a Saturday morning. Canceled that, um, and just kept it nice and easy throughout the whole weekend. You had a couple glasses of wine, had the barbecue, had a few treats here and there, and uh, what really rang home to me <laughs> after this weekend was. Getting old is a pain in the balls, man. <laughs> like, I'm not even old, right? But I'm I'm kind of getting there, I guess. Like, I'm not young. I'm not a spring chicken. But let's just say, you know, mid-30s. And, and things, things just start to go a little bit wrong. Here and there, I've noticed now, on a much more frequent basis than they did even a year ago or 18 months ago. You know, now I can go to reach for the TV remote in a weird way and pull my back and I'm out of the gym for a week, you know, or maybe I'm acting a little foolish or whatever and roughhousing around the house and acting a fool and twist my knee and that's it, I got a limp for a week, you know? It's it's so weird. And the, the most recent one that's cropped up is that it seems like I've developed a serious, uh, not serious, I'm completely over-embellishing that. I have developed what is starting to become a nuisance of, a, of an intolerance to lactose, all right? So take that for what you will, but it turns out now that I can't eat Caesar salad anymore with Parmesan cheese on it. And I can't eat Philadelphia cream cheese on a bagel or a cracker or anything like that. So two things that I enjoy eating very, very sporadically. All of a sudden, my stomach the next two days has been like, you're welcome. Deal with that if you want to eat dairy. And I mean, for the most part, it seems to have really come out of nowhere. I first noticed this about six, seven months ago. So, you know, maybe you go, you take it easy a little bit. You're like, oh, maybe I, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat a wheel of cheese. And, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that two days in a row. Um, 
so you just have a little piece, right? But it was happening on when I was having feta cheese at first. Um, so I'm not sure. I gotta, I, I gotta maybe get get this checked out because you know I, I, I don't eat a lot of dairy in terms of milk, straight milk. But I do like cheese, and I really liked yogurt up until about six or seven months ago. When anytime I eat it, there's a real serious, legitimate danger that I'm gonna shit my pants. So got to be housebound <laughs> effectively because you know any stretch of time longer than 30 minutes without immediate access to a toilet could be a terrible terrible situation so sorry to get all graphic and disgusting on you guys but i'm telling you my life here okay i'm opening up <laughs> don't don't judge me for it all right but um yeah this is something that has has cropped up recently and i, I don't know if any of you guys have dealt with this onset more suddenly of a sensitivity to lactose or you know kind of certain dairy products but it's definitely hit me straight up side the face and I was sitting there just like why is my stomach upset why is my stomach upset it's just gargling on me I'm like why is my stomach upset could it be the copious amounts of coffee I drink every day maybe but that's probably going to develop more of an acidity in my stomach and uh, and cause like an acid reflux or something like that, which I don't have because when I drink coffee on mass, I'm generally generally drinking it a little bit weaker. It's only when I'm out and about that I kind of neck the espresso. Um, so I knew it wasn't that, and then I was just I was just going through what I ate like can't be the chicken, can't be the steak, can't be the, you know, the pork belly or the shrimp because my wife had all of that and she's absolutely fine. And I'm a fucking great cook on the grill, excuse me very much. So um, I was just like, what else is it? And then bang, last night I ate a whole big bowl of Caesar salad, had a nice you know, a nice amount of dressing on there and a nice amount of Parmesan, uh, grated uh, Parmesan uh, Parmesan cheese on there as well. Get it out, Daryl. Fucking learn how to speak, please. Um, and I remembered as a snack earlier in the day, I had a couple of, um, a couple of crackers, not many, a couple of crackers with some very uh, small amounts of cream cheese on it. So I'm just thinking like the combination of that and the Caesar salad were the only things that deviated from what my wife and I consumed um, was it Saturday and uh, and then Sunday. So it's kind of really caught up and it gives me this 24 hour window of like thinking I'm safe and then I completely forget what could be the culprit. And then I just went through it and had a, had a real kind of grew from despicable me light bulb moment. And um, yeah it seems to have raised its head again. Um, so we detox off the dairy and maybe look at having some some tests done on the gut and just seeing what the deal is because, you know, that's fucking annoying. But, uh, but it is what it is. Getting old, guys. Body's changing. Got to adjust. And, uh, and this seems like one of the first first adjustments that I'm going to have to make other than not reaching for the TV remote like I did a year ago, you know, because that's changed so dramatically. But uh, yeah, now I can quickly 
blow my back out or fucking twinge my shoulder or twist my ankle or whatever it may be, sore hips, you know, I'm a creaky old man. Um, and I'm still on the, on the good side of 40. So, you know, things we got to deal with, eh? Things we got to deal with. Oh, the other thing is, um, don't drink more than two glasses of wine because you will swell up like you've been stung by a hundred bees. If you do, um, I looked like I was retaining Niagara Falls in my cheeks and around my eyes when I woke up uh, yesterday morning, you know, from having, what, a few glasses of wine and and like a cider or something like that? Ugh, I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, can't consume that like I want to anymore. Not that I want to, but, you know, how I may on occasion attempt to. Um, fucking health, man. It's taking my freedoms away. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I guess, time, right? time. But for the most part, you know, I've got a very respectable diet. And work out quite a bit as we've talked about on the show before. Um, But I guess it's all part of life, all part of life. But got to enjoy the, um, the garden this weekend, which was fantastic. As I said, the sun was out got a little color on the um, on the dome piece. Uh, which was reflecting every, you know, was was absorbing every ray of sunshine that was out because that's one of the problems of being a bald-headed man, um, which yours truly happens to be. Um, but it was still nice. And I've been designing my garden because we're going to have an edible garden back there. You know, I'm a big fan of sustainable living, right? I'm, I'm keen to get solar panels installed on my roof, uh, but there's a bit of uh, back and forth that needs to happen before I can actually uh, take action on that. But with the garden that I just had built, the the idea there was to create a an all year round edible, you know, edible resource so that I can grow produce in a very fresh and wholesome way and take it one step closer to having my diet be garden to table. You know, I got a, I got a watermelon from the grocery store the other day and you know, it's my own fucking fault because you know, watermelons in England and all that. Um, but it came from Costa Rica and I cut into it cause I hadn't had watermelon in a while and I fancied it cause the sun was coming out and you know, getting that whole vibe on. But, uh, I cut into it bit into it and it was the most tasteless piece of fruit that I've ever eaten and it just seems to be getting progressively worse and again it's why you should go in my opinion farm to table or garden to table as much as possible because of course a watermelon that was flown from Costa Rica and sat on the shelves in a warehouse until it was delivered to you know and full of whatever doesn't taste very good, but of course. So my fault for wanting a treat, but again, it's it's part and parcel to the reason that I want to sustain this garden. Um, and things are looking good because we've got th- about 32 different varieties of vegetable in there, uh, ranging from edible flowers to herbs to corn to pepper to kale, you name it. Um, our cherry trees growing well, you know, all this stuff. So it's great. And it, and it, um, again, it just allows you to know exactly what you're eating 
for that portion of your food and that portion of your eating. So, um, so looking forward to that. I've got two tons of soil coming tomorrow, which I'm going to have to move. Uh, I think I mentioned that on the show previous, but uh, yeah, good times. I can't wait because it's going to look fucking gorgeous in about uh, in about a, a week, and then it's just accessorizing and kind of dressing up the space to be, you know, what what we actually want it to be. But I'm a big outdoors guy. Coming from Canada, summer's a big thing, um, and my wife. You know, she grew up in South Africa and they've got a massive outdoor culture there. Um, so for us, it fits us down to the ground and I'm really looking to kind of completing the project and, and seeing in its final iteration. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about what's going on um, in my world. Um What's going on in yours, guys? Uh, yeah, no, just kind of checking out the news and, and, and seeing what's going on. I have to send out a quick apology to you guys because I think I mentioned in the show that I just published, which was a couple days late um, because of various bits and bobs, and I got to work on my consistency and my snapping these things out to you guys on a frequent basis because that's the name of the game and that's the point of doing this um but i've been a little bit fragmented since kind of going away and taking a break so um i'm working on getting back in the routine of it but on the last episode i told you that i would do a preview show for the upcoming ufc event and a look back at you know kind of the fights before and things like that um i didn't get around to doing that and I should have, but time restricted and it didn't work out. So apologies, but some some commentary on the event. Um, one, again, we're going to hit the UFC website and the guys in charge of the website here. Uh, one, you've got Barboza winning the main event, which he didn't. And... You've got, uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah. Davalishvili fought Simon or Simon, and you got a black and white picture even after the event. Um, you know, too little details, but come the fuck on. Anyways, uh, standouts on the card just to check his back um devolish uh devolish villi from georgia is a cardio machine and an absolute savage fights out of uh is it greg jackson or is it matt sarah and um and ray longo's gym one of the two i can't remember who was cornering i think it was matt sarah and those guys but uh yeah animal animal absolute cardio machine uh, likes a lot of dynamic striking, really good wrestling, and um, yeah, I was impressed. He was uh, he put on a really good show. Corey Anderson just beat the shit out of Pat Cummings, um, and if I'm being completely honest, I don't know what Pat Cummings is doing anymore. Uh, there was a lot of hype around him for being this standout wrestler, um, but it just hasn't come together in... MMA and specifically the UFC and you know the Bronson mustache is a nice gimmick but you gotta fucking string some wins together Corey Anderson staying behind that jab and his striking and his boxing looked fantastic um he got slept by somebody I can't remember who his last fight is and I'm not going into all the stats and shit guys um but 
Was it Manoa? I can't remember. Anyways, uh, he looked fantastic. As did uh, ba um, Bahad Urazada. Bahad Urazada. Uh, Sayir, his first name is. And he, I believe, is Iranian. Um, no, he's from Afghanistan. And he fights out of Holland. And he's a fucking savage. Welterweight savage. Um, he ran through Chagas. And just, he seems to hit so hard. He's one of those guys, you know, like, just seems like he's built of fucking rocks. Um, and God knows what his life has been like. But he's a hell of a fighter. And seems like he's tough as nails. 23 and 6. Um, he beat the shit out of Chagas um, and looked really good. So he's calling out top 10s now. Which... You know, you can't really argue with after that performance. So, good for him. Um, Ryan LaFleur, he beat uh, Alex Garcia. Looked pretty good. But for me, the guy who stood out on the card was... Well, apart from Kevin Lee, was Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker from New Zealand. Uh, he... He switched Jim Miller's lights off with a perfectly timed knee. Had Jim Miller's timing and his head movement down to, uh, you know, just down to the detail. And he threw that knee a couple of times and almost landed, almost landed a couple of times before. And when he connected, he just flatlined Jim Miller. Um, his striking looks really good. He can take a punch. Um... He just seems good all the time. I mean, his preferred method of victory is submissions, but his striking is looking very, very nice. And he just looks like one of these guys who's starting to put together and maybe is that new wave of just complete MMA fighters. Um, you know, I don't want to rain down too much praise on him, but based on the past performance uh, this weekend, he looked fantastic. So uh, congratulations to uh, Mr. Hangman hooker from New Zealand that was a hell of a performance I haven't watched the post fight press conference on this one so I don't know who got bonuses or anything like that but if I was to throw money on it probably be him um Jim Miller again it's just like when does time catch up right when does that chin just say enough um you know not putting anything against Jim Miller he's an absolute veteran I think he's got the most minutes in the lightweight division um of anybody and I think he's only second in UFC time or third in UFC time to like Frankie Edgar and Michael Bisbing or something like that. Like he's well up there, right? He's a true veteran and, you know, his hat, hats off to him always uh, to Jim Miller um, for being an absolute savage. And, you know, he still fights great, but when the body's had enough, the body's have enough. And I've seen Jim Miller take shots like that in the past that he's kind of licked off and, and kept going through. Not so much anymore, you know, and I'm sure that's a combination of, you know, Dan Hooker striking being so kind of accurate and, and on time, uh, but also, you know, let's not pretend that time doesn't, you know, catch up to all fighters. And, you know, I was just saying how I can't twist and reach the fucking remote anymore. Imagine being a professional fighter getting smashed in the face hundreds of times, um, you know, during training camp and and then in the fights as well and Jim Miller's not exactly a tactical kind of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson type of in and out striker right he's a fucking bull and he charges and uh and he's down for a fight you know 
So it just seemed like some of that was sort of creep in with Jim Miller. And, uh, you know, I hope he takes care of himself first. It's kind of the Justin Gaethje thing, right? It's like we love to watch those kind of fights. But now that we know what's happening with those athletes, you kind of cringe a little bit when you see when you see those results, like a fucking knee, just the knee turned his lights out. And if it didn't, he made sure, Dan Hooker made sure to hit him with an uppercut on the way down and uh, and just kind of exclamation point the whole, uh, the whole fight. It's just one of those things, right? We love seeing brawls, we love seeing scraps, we love seeing KOs, but we also know that those guys are drinking through straws in 15 years, you know? So it's a, I'm conflicted more and more on those kind of battles. But nevertheless, Jim Miller has had a stellar career, um, is one of the you know toughest guys to ever do it, but Dan Hooker really came out and put on show. Um, Aljamain Sterling, yeah, good. He had a nice performance um, over the Welshman Johns. Um, it was a wrestling match for the most part. Um, the following fight was not, however, uh, which was uh, which was David Branch and Tiago Santos. Uh, everybody was kind of looking at Santos at potentially, you know, making a statement against David Branch here, and it was completely the opposite way around. And if you didn't see the fight, uh, David Branch won emphatically, KO'd um, Santos, and looked really good and looked really confident. Um, you know, David Branch is a tough character. He's just been up against some tough guys in the UFC. Um, but for an up-and-comer, I think they had him almost like pinned on this one as being like, you know, if Santos can beat Branch in a statement fight, then we might have something on our hands here. And it was kind of like a marketing check, I think, for them to, to see, okay, maybe we've got something that we can throw at Brazil in the Brazilian market to, you know, We've got this big athletic looking guy, you know, looks good, big tattoo of a hammer on his chest, Thor's hammer on his chest. You know, he looks the part and he's dynamic, he's fast, he's powerful. But David Branch sorted him out and uh, and good for him. Uh, then we had a couple heavyweights fight. I, th- I got to say, I think the commentary on this was a little bit a little bit biased in terms of like giving a ton of credit to this Willis uh, guy who fought Justin Willis, big pretty. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not buying it to be honest with you. Uh, Chase Sherman, the Vanilla Gorilla, terrible nickname. Uh, you know, it was just kind of a slugfest. It was wasn't exciting, um, and I'm not buying the hype around Justin Willis. I got to see him fight somebody. I got to see him fight. I like put him in there with Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis has Ngannou lined up. And if you guys haven't seen the meme on that, I'll, I'll tell you about it in just a second. Um, but then moving on past that, we had the co-main and main events. Co-main was uh, Frankie Edgar, who won a decision. Major- it was a unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. And I don't disagree. Cub just didn't seem to get off. You know, Frankie's tough. You know, Frankie won the first with a submission. Uh, the first time they fought, this was a rematch. And I don't know if it's Frankie getting a little older or Cub having a little bit of a better game plan, but it obviously went all three rounds. 
It was good. It was good. Uh, Frankie, you know, he says he's got unfinished business. Obviously, uh, Ortiz and Max Holloway are slated to fight on the same card as um, as the main event on the card that Derek Lewis and uh, Francis Ngannou are going to be fighting on. Um, I don't see Frankie Edgar beating Max Holloway, and I don't see him beating uh, Dustin Ortiz the way Ortiz dismantled him the first time they fought. Um, and we're going to have to see what happens because my money actually might be on Dustin Ortiz uh, Dustin Ortiz, Brian Ortega. What the fuck am I talking about? Sorry, guys. Um, Brian Ortega, Dustin Ortiz. Jesus, Daryl, what the fuck? Um, Brian Ortega is fighting Max Holloway. And that's going to determine, you know, who the champ is going forward. I don't see Frankie Edgar beating Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega dismantled him in the first fight. Um... I don't see Frankie beating Max, to be honest. Uh, again, man, I love Frankie Edgar, but it's that fucking thing called time. It just seems to have moved on. I mean, look at the top two guys in that division compared to what Frankie Edgar looks like. And I mean stature and build-wise, right? These guys at 145 are like 5'11", 6 foot, long, rangy, dangerous everywhere tacticianer, you know, practitioners and tacticians. Um, Frankie's a hardcore wrestler with a ton of determination, a fucking iron will, you know, and his game is, is, is hardcore wrestling and outworking guys. I just don't know if that's enough of a blueprint to beat these new guys anymore. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I can't wait for that. Max Holloway, uh, Max Holloway, and Brian Ortega fight. That's going to be amazing. Um, and, and obviously, the uh, Black Beast versus uh, whatever they're calling Nganu these days. Uh, that's on that card as well. So that's fantastic. Moving on. Because I don't want to spend the whole time on, on the UFC. Um, moving on to the main event. Kevin Lee versus Edson Barbosa. Right? Edson Barbosa. You know, he's just got those... Everybody's like, oh, he's one of the most dangerous strikers in the division, in the 155-pound division. And he is. Until, right? Like, if you can avoid his leg kicks, his body kicks, his head kicks, then for the most part, you're in pretty good shape because he's a very tight boxing striker, right? So you can use range on a guy like Edson Barbosa, which Kevin Lee did to an extent. Um, but, I mean, this was a tale of control wrestling and a beatdown on the ground to the likes of which Khabib didn't even put on Edson Barboza. And I'm going to go out on here. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and actually say, I want to see Kevin Lee and um, Khabib Nurmagomedov fight. A healthy Kevin Lee is a dangerous Kevin Lee. And this motherfucker is strong. The way he was controlling Barboza on the ground was a la Khabib. It was really, really strong. But Kevin Lee is much more dynamic on the feet than Khabib is. And that'll give you a real indication as to what would happen if Connor fought him, right? Except for the fact that Kevin Lee is a far superior wrestler to Connor McGregor. Let's get that right for sure right now. Um, I was really, really impressed with Kevin Lee. And not to mention, he did catch a spinning roundhouse kick. 
a, a spinning heel kick from Edson Barboza that Edson Barboza pretty much all the way landed. Had Kevin Lee buckled and walking on chicken legs like crazy, but Kevin Lee went straight for a takedown, and there's something wrong with Edson. This is the thing, right? Somebody said, I heard on a podcast that they were talking about um, Edson Barboza being really, really tough to take down. And I know Khabib is an elite wrestler, and I know Kevin Lee is an elite wrestler, but Kevin Lee could barely walk. He fell into a single leg when uh, Barboza hit him with a spinning heel kick, and Kevin Lee still landed the takedown and got top control on him. So really questionable takedown um, defense and and uh, control when your back's on the ground, you know, and work when your back's on the ground from Barboza. Uh, really highlighted in this past couple of fights. Although against, again, elite competition, I'd still expect better. With his athleticism, like, trying to pop up at least the attempt, but it just seemed like he was getting fucking ragdolled and almost gave up when he was sitting there. Um, but Kevin Lee put it on him. Put, Kevin Lee put it on him. And I think number six, I think the ranking for number six on Kevin Lee is a massive understatement. I mean, he beat these guys so bad. He beat these guys so bad, uh, Barboza, that it was a doctor stoppage. You know, it's been like two and a half, three years since, um, since Kevin Lee took a loss. Not counting, obviously, the Tony Ferguson uh, fight. But let's not forget, he had staph infection on that on that fight. So not that I'm, I'm not counting it, but I'm putting a little asterisk there because I honestly think there were some flashes of brilliance in that fight from Kevin Lee, and I just wonder what it would have been like if he was at full health um, in that fight. We might have a completely different outlook, and we might have already had the Kevin Lee-Tony Ferguson fight. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happened. Um, so that was the card. Uh, I don't know what's coming up next. I'm going to have a look at it. I'm not going to go into any more UFC talk, uh, right now, but, uh, yeah, I mean, overall good card, good card. Uh, but I heard they're changing the structure of how they're going to do pay-per-views and events for the UFC and reducing the number, which I'm all for, because I think right now it's getting very, very saturated and you're watering down the, uh, caliber of the events that are being put on. And I want to see blockbusters and I'd rather see one of those every couple of months than one every fucking weekend that ends up being dog shit, you know, because a, you can't justify the price. I'm lucky I don't have to pay for it because I get it on a subscription in the UK. But for those in the US or in Canada that have to pay exorbitant pay-per-view prices, you're kind of like just like, meh, I'll catch it a couple weeks later. You know, so if there is a reduction to the schedule, uh, which I believe I heard that there is, I'm all for that. Um, I think that's really, really good news. So that's it for the UFC talk. That's it for fight talk. Um... Moving on, I just wanted to mention the fact that uh, the, the the voter suppression shit in America is pretty gross. Um, 
apparently 13 states are suing the government right now for uh, trying to enact a like a legal like an immigration status question on the census because they're looking at redistricting the voting uh, parameters for 2020 which is when Trump is looking to be going for re-election obviously if he doesn't get impeached before then but this is a systematic um, attempt to uh, alienate minority voters and people in low income areas and of a lower socioeconomic uh, divide than like the national average. They're looking to marginalize these people. It's fucking disgusting. And uh, and I hope that they win. The I hope the states that win. I hope the, the states that are suing them in court win. And I hope they get what's coming to them. Um, I hope it's thrown out because it's bullshit. Um, and it's a clear, clear egregious violation um, of voter rights. You know, it's it's really disgusting. Um, so please don't be overshadowed by things like, oh, Donald Trump got North Korea to denuclearize. No, he hasn't. No, he has not. There's been absolutely nothing categorical about the decision or the commentary coming out of North Korea. None whatsoever. And we've heard it before. So again, don't let bullshit headlines take away from the actual narrative. Because we can get lost in bullshit there, right? You, you wade through so much bullshit that you forget what it smells like and then you take it as normal water. So be careful. Do a little bit more digging, right? It's like the Windrush stuff in, uh, in, in the UK now. You know, it was a mistake. Was it or was it fucking policy that you were trying to make it harder for people on purpose? Again, alienating people of a lower socioeconomic status than those in policy-making positions. It's fucking disgusting. Theresa May was responsible for this. I know that there was some labor involvement beforehand, but it was absolute action policy when Theresa May was um, heading up the Home Office as it's being carried on with Amber Rudd. And I fucking think Amber Rudd should be gone. I've mentioned her on the podcast a couple of other times. This, the level of hypocrisy running around and swarming this woman like, like flies to shit is just horrendous. And she's clearly, clearly incompetent, clearly corrupted, and again, conflicted. Whether we're talking about her dealings in the cannabis industry or the Windrush debacle. I mean, how much will she just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take your sorry, cram it up your fucking ass, either do something legitimate and substantial in terms of rectifying your previous egregious behavior or get the fuck out. To me, you're a fucking piece of shit. To me, you're an incompetent politician. An incompetent politician. To me, you are compromised from an integrity point of view. And I don't think you should have your job anymore. And I think everybody needs to call for her resignation. Amber Rudd MP. And get her the fuck out. And then we're one step closer to getting Theresa May out. Because she's fucking useless too. 
She's a terrible speaker. She's nervous. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's completely out of her depths and she should not be negotiating the dis, um, uh, basically dismembering us from the EU. Take a poll. Nobody wants this shit anymore. And I know you can't do it because it fucks with democracy. And I know it's like, you know, well, we had a vote. It's the same thing with Trump, right? F Apparently his approval rating is like 37, 38% right now. And every time you shit on him, you kind of alienate those people a little bit. But it doesn't have to be one versus the other, right? It, or one and the other. One can be separate, right? It's like you can be against... You can be for gun control and for the cops. You can be for two things at once. So you can be for... Trump voters expressing their right and concern, but you can be against Trump. They're not intertwined. You know, um, but again, we get into politics, we'll be here all fucking day. Um, did you see the picture of Jeff Bezos walking across a campus garden area, what looked to be, um, with one of those Boston dynamic dogs, robots. You know, if, you not, if you've not seen them, there's a video, Boston dynamic dog robots, and they basically can manipulate a door handle, open it, hold it for their buddy to go through, and then they can follow. They look like the Velociraptors, Raptors off of Velociraptors, um, the Velociraptors off of the first Jurassic Park, do you remember when they're creeping through the kitchen and they jump up and they're like smelling and like one's going that way and the other's going, that's what it looks like. And it also looks identical to the episode of uh, Black Mirror in the latest season, which I think is called um, Mechanic Dogs or something like that. Uh, it's freaky as fuck. And... I started thinking about Amazon and I started thinking about Bezos and it's not around the tax thing because if we start talking about taxes, we're going to name every single corporation that doesn't pay, you know, corporate tax or offloads them to, you know, a, a different country, uh, Ireland, like Google and Apple do, or, you know, some other tropical island or whatever. Um, it's not that. <laughs> it's the fact that they're starting to... It's the level of access that they get, both with the general public, but also with the government as well. Because they have like a $500 billion, is it 500 billion or is it 500 million? One of the two, sorry. Um, either way, it's like a 500, I think it's 500 million. Um, deal with the CIA to run their data center through Amazon Cloud, right? So they have a massive government contract. They own the Washington Post. And then if you look at the organogram for the Amazon companies or companies owned by Amazon, it's quite outstanding. Um, they recently acquired Ring, right? They obviously have Alexa, Right, they have Amazon Prime, right? So let's just kind of go through it. Amazon Web Services, so they know everything about what's going on, on the internet, right? Along with Amazon.com, 
which is one of the most, you know, one of the largest retailers in the world. Um, they've got Amazon Prime, so they know what you're watching, when you're watching, when you're home. They've got, uh, they own Audible as well, right? So they know what you're reading. Uh, they have Amazon, just the retail shops. They know what you're buying, when you're buying it, who you're buying it for, um, where you're sending it, etc. So they know where you live, obviously. Uh, they also own Ring, which is the video camera doorbell, uh, of which I am an owner of one of those as well. Um, so they know where you are, what your street looks like, and everybody that visited, visits your house. Then if you have Alexa, they know everything that you're talking about, every music, every piece of music that you listen to, every TV show that you watch, um, every intimate moment that you speak and talk about with your family. They also have now Amazon Alexa with video. So they can look inside your house at all times, scan the inside with you know, what would just be an augmented reality algorithm and they'll be able to map whatever room that video Alexa is in. And it's really funny because I love how they pass it off, right? Like if you see the Alexa video commercial, it shows a mom switching on uh, the thing, the the Alexa with the video whilst um, having a bottle in hand and seeing baby saying daddy for the first time, right? So she's in the other room making a bottle and she sees on the Amazon Alexa her baby saying daddy for the first time. And so what she does is she stays in the room and turns the sound on so she can hear it through the Alexa rather than going two steps in the other direction and actually going and seeing it for herself and experiencing it in real life. Um, it's like these devices are there because before they existed, we missed every critical moment of humanity and of life and of experience. And it's like, actually, no, we didn't. We experienced them in a much more tangible way. And I was thinking about this in relation to how I watched the marathon, right? And it's diverting away from Amazon a little bit, but goes to a similar point is I watched most of that marathon through my phone because I was taking pictures and video and shit. And although we were down there for a couple of hours, I probably spent 30 minutes of it in my phone looking through my camera rather than watching the race. And that's pretty sad because even though I was there I was still experiencing it through a third party rather than a first party and that was kind of what this Amazon Alexa commercial was saying it was saying you can experience it through us even if they're in the other room you can experience it through us so if you're getting a bottle ready just stay there make the bottle once the bottle's ready if the experience happens just watch it through Alexa rather than going and giving the baby the milk and experiencing it in real time. It was a really, really strange thing and it got me to thinking about how they're positioning themselves as an all access company. And I just wonder like how they decide in the US or anywhere what a monopoly is, how it operates and when they wanna intervene and step step in to you know, address its um, overwhelming power and influence on a market, but then obviously markets outside of that. Because if you own a newspaper, if you own multiple in-home devices, uh, outdoor device, um, I didn't even mention that they bought Whole Foods so they can, you know, 
Now they can stop, start to map dietary data and things like that as well. And what they will do is because of their scale, they'll be able to crunch supermarkets and become one of the only sources of that because that'll be much more easy and efficient. And that's what we're all looking for, right? That's why we use Amazon. So it just that level of access is just really curious to me. I mean, this guy's worth 130, what is 120 billion dollars now? It's just how much access is too much access. It just it just got me thinking. That was all. Um, you know, we we arbitrarily just let access be obtained with very little consideration that it's this again just just kind of like a benevolent thing like oh it's just here to help it's just here to help i can do my groceries easier i can search the internet easier you know again it's like facebook i question this the gain the the net positive that they present that they present because less and less um, you know i'm using using them for anything personal or of any you know real significance and more so just as a publishing tool um but that's me i just i just i get curious because you can see these monopolies developing and it doesn't seem like anybody's in a position to understand them to the point where they can suggest any regulation or any clawback of the broad scoped influence that that these massive massive companies have um i guess the market decides right i guess the market decides at the end of the day um i just won't go as far as let letting a listening device blatant listening device in my house I understand it can happen and I've mentioned this before and I know it can happen through my phone and through my laptop and through my television or even through my Bose speakers or, you know, or my Sonos, I should say. But I just don't think I can let it go that far. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be sitting here in six months raving about my new Apple HomePod. Um... I don't think so, but you never, never know. Um, what else is going on? I think I think we might wrap, guys. I'm thinking we might wrap it up. I was going to mention the uh, royal wedding, which is less than a month away. Uh, Prince Harry's getting married to that TV actress, Markle, uh, Meghan Markle, or whatever her name is. Um, apparently, they've been doing like a mass cleanup of homeless people in Windsor where they're going to get married and. I just think that is just about as disgraceful as you can get, to be honest with you. Just moving them out and shipping them off to somewhere else and plunking them down in a, in a more convenient location for your picture-perfect wedding. Um, the only thing I give a shit is whether or not I'm going to get a bank holiday out of it, and I'm not, so I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm not opposed to the royal wed the royal family, I'm just not in favor of them having the kind of 
status that they have. They're like a tourist attraction. They're not like a ruling family. Yet the amount of land that they own and the amount of control that, and influence that they have is just, it's hilarious. Um, and we buy it because we like a princess story, you know? Uh, apparently the Commonwealth leaders have all agreed that Prince Charles will be recognized as the new leader of the Commonwealth. Um, and, you know, with the Commonwealth, there is some benefit to that because it gives a voice to smaller nations under, you know, a larger, stronger banner of, um, of allies. But just the royal family as a figurehead, I just think is a bit tired. Um, I think there's going to be have to, going to have to be some reformation because I think more as more and more people are getting clued up to, you know, what it costs, what we pay them. You know, all this stuff, I think, you know, I think the, the newer generation is not going to be as in love with them. But who knows? I could be wrong. I just think it's disgraceful that they think it's okay to clean out the homeless people for the purpose of putting on a pretty wedding. I think that's pretty gross. Um, but I know my wife will be tuning in. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, anyways, I think that's it, guys. What do you think? Uh, I think we're going to wrap. Uh, I got a couple more things to do uh, before the day is over. Uh, but yeah, I've enjoyed it today, guys. It's been a nice one. Um, this is episode 27, I think we're on now. Um, we'll be back probably later in the week. Uh, not entirely sure what the schedule is going to be yet. Uh, but like I said at the outset, the jump uh, of this episode... I want to be more consistent. I want to get back into the into the swing of things and give you guys episodes more frequently because it's good for me uh, getting the reps in. Uh, and for anybody that's listening, I hope you're enjoying it. So, you know, it's good for you guys too. Um, yeah, we'll see what the week brings. We'll see how it unfolds. But uh, we're going to call it a day for now. Um, thanks for tuning in. We're just under an hour. Uh, this is episode 27 of the podcast, The Quiet Part Loud. You know what it is. Um, I'm your host, Daryl. Thanks for tuning in, if I haven't said that already. Until next time, guys. All the best.